you know, make a, a reflections also on on the theme, if I can. And and I, I remember when I started, you know, with meditation, which is uh, many years ago, 1988. I. I was traveling in Thailand and I came to a monastery in the south of Thailand. It was Ajahn Buddhadasa's monastery. His picture is also up there in the Gratitude Hut. He's one of the teachers to quite a few of the spirit rock teachers. He is a Thai monk who passed away in the early 90s. And in this monastery, you know, there's a meditation retreat always from the f for 10 days at the beginning of each month and still going on since so many years. And the teaching there was centered around one sutta of the Buddha, the Anapanasati Sutta, or the uh, sutta on, the, on mindfulness with breathing. And, and that sutta is the, is the number 118 in the Nikaya in one of the books in the Pali Canon. And it's considered, you know, a very precise uh, meditation instructions and it speaks about mindfulness with breathing in and breathing out. Anapana means breathing in and breathing out. And uh, it's the most uh, detailed meditation instructions in the whole Bali Canon and it's also said that in the night of the Buddha's enlightenment he was practicing that method of meditation. And it's, it's, you know, it's a meditation method which is suitable for all characters because sometimes in the suttas they speak about like certain meditation uh, methods are more suitable for this character and others for that character. But the meditation on the breath or with the breath is considered to be suitable you know, for all kinds of characters. And... Um, As Ayananda Bodhi mentioned before, you know, this, this kind of meditation can be used for concentration or collecting the mind or samatha, how it's called in Pali, as well as for insight or vipassana, depending you know, with which intention we are coming to the practice. And for example, in the Anapanasati Sutta, the meditation is explained in 16 different steps and the first few steps are more like geared towards samadha, towards stilling the mind. That's what we did you know, in the first guided meditation when I was saying, you know, we choose an object for meditation, which is the breath today, and then we just come back to the breath again and again whenever we notice that the mind wanders off into thinking, we just come back. And we let go of the thinking, we let go of the patterns, you know, which we have been uh, you know, sinking in for many, many years and some of the patterns are very deep grooves and it's not easy to let go and come back to just the simplicity of the breathing. And so that's a method of stilling the mind, bringing the body and the mind together, calming the mind and arriving in the present moment. And then if we do that for some time, the sinking process tends to slow down a little bit at least. And then, instead of just excluding everything and only focusing on the breathing by just mentally noticing, you know, the breathing is here, breathing in and breathing out, just that. And everything else, whenever we think about something or we hear something, we feel something, we just come back 
to the breathing. And then later on, when we start you know, to switch from the samatha or from the concentration meditation to the inside meditation, that means you know, we broaden the field of awareness. We are, we are not anymore just concerned with the breathing process, breathing in and breathing out, but we start to see into the process. And that's what vipassana you know, is all about. It's insight into natural phenomena and the breathing being one of those. And what's also interesting about the breathing is, you know, breathing is a, a process which is, is uh, involuntary, which with the, the body is just breathing. You, you don't have to make it breathe. But also, you know, this is just like the heart beating or the blood pumping and the lymph going, as long you know, as, as this is a healthy body. The body just takes care of all of those involuntary processes. We don't have to think about breathing. But still, you know, what's interesting about the process is that we can actually deliberately have an influence on the breathing. We can make it faster, we can make it slower, we can hold our breath. There's all different things we can do. We can't do that with a heartbeat, and we can't do that, you know, with, with other bodily functions, but the breathing is this very special process which can, which can be influenced deliberately, but at the same time it's happening involuntarily. We don't have to do anything to make it happen. And also it, it very much you know, reflects our emotional state. For example, if we are really relaxed, the breathing is very different than if we are anxious. If you're really relaxed, the breathing goes quite down deep into the body. If you're anxious, it's just, it's all kind of very high up here. And, and you know, you could just by doing breathing in a certain mode, you can just evoke certain emotions, for example. Or, you know, we say somebody is like yawning out of boredom or snorting with anger and all of those different ways of describing emotions, they have very much a counterpart in, in the breathing process. So and that's why, you know, the breathing, if we pay attention to the breathing, it's, it, this is a way how we can get to know ourselves, not just like on a bodily level, but we, you know, getting, getting to know many more of the functions, you know, of, the, of a human being. We, we get to know the feelings, we get to know emotions, and we get to know thinking patterns. We can see you know, how they are uh, mutually conditioning each other. And, and the breathing can be like a gateway into that uh, exploration of, of what it means you know, to be a human being, having a body, first foundation of mindfulness, feelings, second foundation of mindfulness, and then thoughts and emotion, third foundation of mindfulness, and then phenomena arising and ceasing, you know, in the mind. So it's it's a gateway into getting to know yourself. And then also as as I mentioned before, and nowadays it's especially interesting, you know, through the medium of the breath, you know, we're getting to know you know, how we have been uh, interacting with our world and how we have been, you know, influencing, for example, the, the air which we breathe through the way how we live. 
And, and the way how we live is a direct reflection of our minds and of our hearts. So, you know, that very process of using breathing as a method to become more conscious about ourselves is suddenly opening up, you know, that the whole, the whole world, you know, is, is part of that process of, of teaching us. And this is why we have always, you know, have a picture of the planet on our shrine because we, you know, we want to really take that to heart that the, you know, the whole planet is kind of starting to send us very strong messages, you know, so that we wake up and we understand, you know, we are not separate. And, you know, what we are doing, how we are acting, is going to come back to us. You know, this is what in, in Buddhism is called the, the law of karma, the law of action, action with intention. Action with intention creates what's called uh, wholesome and unwholesome uh, actions, you know, have their repercussions in our life. And we can see this on a very small level. And, you know, and, and in terms of the environmental crisis, is we can see it on, on, on a very huge level. And, you know, and there were times, you know, when, when we as a, as a human race were unaware of the repercussions our actions had, because we just, you know, we didn't have the, the know-how, we didn't, we didn't have the, you know, we didn't have the experience yet. But now, you know, since the last 20, 30 years, you know, speaking about these issues becomes more and more frequent and there's more and more very precise information about this, you know. And that's when it becomes really very important, you know, to, to get to know how ourselves, how we are reacting to information which is potentially not very inspiring, you know, or information which is scary, you know. How, how do we deal with that, you know? And how can we train ourselves to stay open to information which is difficult to bear? And you know, getting some skill in, in meditation and getting some skill in uh, you know using the breath to you know empower ourselves. For example, you know using the breath to to just stay present with what is, whatever information it is, as unpleasant, as scary as it is, if you just can stay there and breathe through it, you know, through the resistance, for example, you know, if some kind of information comes in and the whole body tenses up and the whole mind just, no, no, I don't want to know, you know, that whole kind of pushing away, we can notice that and then we can just breathe through it. Not, not you know, like with a sledgehammer, just you know, forcing ourselves to take that in, but just gently, you know, like using the breath as a body conditioner. How, you know, Ajahn Suchito, I think, courses like that. Using the breath as a, as a body conditioner to just like you use a hair conditioner, you know, to soften your hair. I, I haven't done that for a very long time, but I remember. So you can use you can use the breath also, you know, to conditioning the body to just gently, you know, breathe into the contraction, into that resistance of not wanting something, because it's understandable. You know, who wants to know that you know very innocent things like 
you know, buying a hair conditioner, for example, in a plastic bottle, and then, you know, rinsing all of that into the into the water stream, you know, and then throwing the bottle into the recycling, and, and all of, you know, that these very innocent things, actually, they have, you know, if millions of people are doing that, of course it has repercussions. And we are just now, you know, as a, as a, as a species, we are just on that level of our evolutionary trajectory that we start to notice it. And what we do feel is we feel very bad about it, you know, and we don't want to know it because we feel like we don't know how to deal with this. But it's not the first time, you know, that we have been waking up to something, you know, which turns out to be that there's a, a change is needed, you know. So, you know, we, we, we really need to develop skillful means so we can, uh, you know, condition ourselves in that way that we can take in the information and then just like trusting that if we open ourselves to the information and really take it to heart, that the next step, you know, will become clear how we can uh, act skillfully with this. And the breath, you know, can be a very good friend because it, it has a, a direct impact onto our emotions. And um, especially, it's especially poignant because, you know, the breath is, is a very basic ingredient for, for any kind of a sentient life on this planet. And there is, there are now places, you know, on the planet already where people can't anymore just like breathe in the air. They need to have a, a, a mask, you know, in order to breathe. It's, there are some cities in China, I've heard, and other places, you know, where the air quality is really so bad already that this very basic natural need of, of, a, of a human being is not anymore covered. And, and, and that's really um, a real huge wake-up call, I feel. So, you know, not, not that I have all of the answers, I do not, but what I really, what I've really become aware of through my practice is, is you know, if I'm opening up to, to, to something very difficult to open up to, that I always uh, feel that once I'm going through the process and really allowing myself to go into the difficulty, into the grief of it, into the sadness, that I always emerge from it with a sense of knowing what to do next. And, and I can really see that that opening up is really a way of um, dealing with anxiety, is really opening to it. And, you know, and using the breath as a, a skillful means to, as a vehicle, you know, we can ride on the breath through the rough waters, you know, of this anxiety or of the grief. 
And that's also you know, that statue of the Kuan Yin over there where we have been eating uh, at lunch. She's a very good example of that. She's usually depicted on standing on a dragon and, and riding on the, you know, on the emotions, basically, on the emotions which can become, you know, very powerful, like a dragon. You know, like very strong emotion like anger or fear or grief. You know, you can feel, you know, you're getting carried away by this force. But with mindfulness and with uh, skillful means, you know, we can learn to, to ride it like a surfer. You know, we can learn to, to not go under it, but to just go into it and come out the other end, you know. And that's what the transformation process is all about. And, you know, the teachings of the Buddha are, you know, different methods and, and a very sturdy framework which in which we can learn you know to to use whatever is happening in our lives use it for increasing wisdom and compassion and just by whatever is here we are meeting it because we know we can and because we know you know that everything is part of nature just like ourselves you know and nothing is outside of that and it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And, you know, being with it is the best response because there is no escape, because there's nowhere to go. And, you know, and it has never been as poignant as it is right now because there's really nowhere to go anymore. Because, you know, First we lived in San Francisco and we were afraid of the tsunami. Now we live in the Sierra foothills and there's the forest fires. And then you can go to somewhere else and there's earthquakes. So there's nowhere to go. We have to learn to really live with what is happening and see you know, how we are contributing to it and then find ways you know, how to live in a way which is sustainable. And, you know, and becoming aware that we are part of all of this and, and we are guardians of this. We are not the owners of, of, of anything. And then having the breath as a, as a friend to help us to stay in the present moment and not getting carried away by all of the emotions you know, which are getting thrown up in that process of, of uh, recognizing you know, what's, what we are meeting and going into embracing it and, and accepting it for what it is rather than turning away and trying to distract ourselves more. And what we, we, we hope what we can you know, offer with a, with a day long like this is you know, offer encouragement and, and some you know, amount of skillful means so that you know, we all can uh, live more consciously and you know, go more into the depths of, 
of what it means you know, to be a human being because it's certainly not about just you know, having what you want and not having what you don't want. It's, it, there's much more to this life than that. It's really all about like growth and 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 opening to the the depths of of what it means, you know, to to live in these times, which are very interesting times, because we are living on that edge, you know, of of uh, becoming conscious that we are part of nature. Whereas the old paradigm is like that we are on top of nature, we just take what we want and, and throw back what we don't want. That just, that is over, you know. And this is why we are living in a very powerful time. And, and we can all help, you know, with this new paradigm to become a mainstream paradigm. And that's exactly what needs to happen. And all of us, you know, we can do our bit by just opening up to it and trying, you know, to live more and more accordingly as much as we can. You know, it's not about sledgehammering ourselves to be different, but just at least, you know, turning towards it, opening to, towards it, and then just seeing, you know, what comes through because we're all part of this process. And this process has a much vaster intelligence than just our little, you know, minds. And, and we can align ourselves with that. And we can take solace from the fact, you know, that this planet with its sentient beings, you know, is, is operating since uh, more than four billion years and it has been doing quite well without us, you know, kind of orchestrating it. And if we could just hold back a little bit and listen a little bit more, I think that would be a good idea. You know, and the meditation is, is exactly that tool and we can use to just tune in a bit more with that bigger intelligence. So, and we were thinking, we have uh, 30 minutes or so for questions and answers. And we have. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.